Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Jesus paid it all. All of the sins, all to him I owe, because he's paid it all. I owe all my praise, my thanksgiving, the best of what I have to him, because sin left a stain on my life, but he washed it white as snow. If you've been around church for any length of time, you have sang that song. It it has soothed your soul. Anybody have that song over the years? It has soothed your soul. And for those of you who, who are new to church, why a song like that is such a blessing to us is because you need to know You are surrounded by a bunch of people who've needed to have their stain of sin washed clean. And it's such a beautiful song to lead us into the tension question, the question that we're going to look at this weekend, the question that our text, as we study verse by verse through the book of Mark, Answers. And so before we jump into it, here's the question that we're going to explore today. Can all of our sins, past, present, and future, really be forgiven? Can, can all of our sins really be forgiven? Whether you're 10 years old here today sitting with your mom and dad, can, can your sins be forgiven? Whether you're 25 years old, not really a follower of Jesus Christ, but you're just here checking things out, can, can your sins be forgiven? For those of us who've been going to church for a long length of time, yet continue to sin and stumble, can our sins really be forgiven. For me, I'm, I'm a pastor. I get paid to be spiritual, get paid to read the Bible. Can my sins, how about me? How about me? Can, can my sins, even if I preach on a Sunday morning and then on a Sunday afternoon, I sin against God and my wife and others, can my sins be forgiven? That's the question that our text is going to answer, and I just want you to think about just for a moment, what are the sins that trip you up? What are the sins that you wonder, can can that really be forgiven? Can I really be forgiven of that again and again? And if none come to mind, just ask the person sitting next to you, they'll very clearly articulate (laughs) the sin that you need forgiven. But in case you're not interested in this question, here's a couple reasons why I hope we lean into the question, can all of our sins, past, present, and future, be forgiven? Here's my burden. Here's why I hope we pay attention. I believe many followers of Jesus know their sins are forgiven, but don't live like their sins are forgiven. How many of you know there's a difference 
between knowing in your head as if your sins are forgiven and living with the freedom of having sins forgiven. There's a difference. I mean, how sad would it be if you or I or someone you know was incarcerated in prison and they were set free, yet they never left the jailhouse? They were set free. They, they had their sin paid for. The judge said, you were wrongfully accused. You're not guilty. Or the judge said, you've paid your time. Or someone else paid it for you. Hint, hint, hint. You are free to go, yet you stayed at the jailhouse. What a tragedy that would be. And I think here today, many Jesus followers, we know our sins are forgiven, but we keep ourselves in the jailhouse of condemnation. We keep ourselves in the jailhouse of feeling, well, because that was so bad, I know, but I don't believe it. And just in case you want to know, how do I know if I'm the type of person who just knows my sins are forgiven, or I live like my sins are forgiven. Well, let me give you three types of people. We're going to get into the book of Mark. Just relax. Here we go. <laughs> Self-righteous spirit. There's one clue if you're not living as if you are a follower of Jesus who knows their sins are forgiven. If you have a self-righteous spirit, maybe when I just asked you what sins cause you to stumble like you said, I'm actually pretty good. I, I, I used to sin, but like I, I'm kind of good now. Let me just tell you, that's a warning sign, friend. <laughs> let me bring this even a little bit more home here. Well, let me, let me tell a story. Let me, Jesus identifies this in a parable. There's a Pharisee and a tax collector. Two guys who go to the church house to pray. And what does the Pharisee pray? He's over here, he's praying on one side of the church, and he sees the tax collector over there, and he says, I'm so glad I'm not like that guy. I'm so glad because I give, I serve. Man, I am so glad. That was his prayer. God, I'm so glad I'm not like him. Now, the tax collector, who in that day, those were shady fellas, what did he pray? All he knew to pray was, God, forgive me, have mercy on my life because I am a sinner. And what does the scripture say? It's, it's the humble tax collector who was exalted. And it was the Pharisee, the one who was exalting himself, he's the one that needed to be humbled. See, even as we talk now and Pastor Scott, how many of you are just so thankful for the clarity and the conviction and the sensitivity here at Hope Church to address the things that are going on in our country? Yes, praise God for it. Come on, church of this size, different political leanings, different things that we think. Let me just tell you, if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, I'm so thankful I'm not like those pro-choice folks. Or if you're on the pro-choice side, oh, I'm so thankful I'm not like those pro-life people. You know, we all need to be saying, I am a sinner. Show me mercy. And so a self-righteous spirit is the first clue. Here's another clue that you may not be living like you're a sinner who's been forgiven. If you have a self-condemning conscience, 
If you find yourself condemning yourself, the scripture says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if you condemn yourself for your past sins, your present sins, there's a difference between feeling convicted, knowing you need to repent, but constantly living a life of shame and guilt. And it's an accuser. The enemy is an accuser. And if you find yourself accusing yourself constantly of the sin past, present in your life, that may be a clue you're not living like you're forgiven. Finally, a self-doubting habit. See, the scripture says, because Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. He sympathizes. He understands we should boldly approach the throne of grace. And I'm telling you, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have a hard time boldly approaching the throne of grace, you may not be living like you're forgiven. You know you're forgiven. You understand theologically Jesus died for my sin, but if you have a hard time boldly approaching the throne of grace, that might be a clue that you're not living like you're forgiven. How many of you see the differentiation between knowing and living? Are these clues helpful for anyone? Someone say amen. Okay. Okay, there's like six of you. Let's, for those of you who are still not interested, just one more statement. I just got to help you out here. You can't compellingly share the good news of a forgiving Christ if you aren't convinced you're a forgiven Christian. <laughs> See, the, the whole thing, the whole deal is to share the good news. And maybe you find yourself not being very vocal about sharing how Jesus came so that you may be forgiven. It may be because you haven't recently inhaled the forgiveness of Christ for yourself. I don't, I don't know if this joke is going to fly here, but Hope Church, are we smoking what we're selling? <laughs> Sorry, I, I come from Oakland. That works there. That works in Oakland. If you have problems with that joke, send an email to scott at hopechurchlv.com. <laughs> when was the last time, friends, Christian, Jesus follower in the room, you inhaled, knew the forgiveness of Christ for you? Because I tell you, when you're living daily with an understanding of how forgiven you are, you can't help but share it. And I'm so thankful that Mark 2, 1 through 12, here we are, let's jump in, continuing on in our verse-by-verse study, it answers very clearly for any of us today who struggle with, can I really be forgiven of this, that, or the other? Mark 2, 1 through 12 is going to give us tremendous confidence. Let's read what's happening. Set you up to speed really quickly. Jesus is on the scene healing He's healing sickness. He's delivering people of demons. Last week, Pastor Scott talked about how he healed a man with leprosy. Today, we're going to see him perform another miracle, another healing. But in this healing, he's going to also do something and say something that Mark has yet to record him say or do. This miracle is different. 
And it's in looking at this different miracle and what he says and what he does that hopefully we can all have confidence that our sins, past, present, and future, truly can be forgiven. And when he returned to Capernaum, Mark writes, when Jesus returns after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Many were gathered. The miracle worker has come back. The house is packed. No more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. It goes on to say, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic Someone who was paralyzed for men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there. The scribes, the guys who literally copied the scriptures over and over so that there could be duplicate copies, the scribes, they knew the scriptures the best. They were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. This is the writings of Mark on Jesus healing a paralytic, and I think through this text, we're going to gain confidence for being forgiven of our sins. And here's how we're going to get there. Love an outline, six questions today. Here we go. What did Jesus see? What did Jesus say? What did the scribes think? What did Jesus perceive? Why did Jesus heal? How should we respond? Let's go get some lunch. How does that sound? So first, what did Jesus see? As we work through this text, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. These buddies of the paralyzed guy, they walk up the side of these first century homes. There's some stairs that would go up to the top, and the roof was mud and straw and dirt. Can you just imagine the setting? Come on, come with me, come with me. First century Capernaum. You enter in, and you're listening to Jesus preach, and all of a sudden, you look up, and there's dirt coming from the ceiling, and, and Jesus is just going for it. He's just preaching, and before you know it, some light shines through. Whoa, what's going on? Light shine, and before you know it, a guy starts being let down. Come on, you're ruining the message. Can you imagine this roof just opening up right now? I'll just tell you, if I saw that, I'd be like, I don't know what to do there, okay? I don't know what to do. But Jesus, look it, what does it say? What does he see? He sees their faith. He didn't see the paralyzed man. I mean, he saw it, but what he really saw was the faith of the friends, the sacrifice of the friends. He saw it. And we got to move quickly, so I want to just make this statement. The sacrificial and determined faith of friends 
preceded the spiritual and physical healing of Christ. The faith of friends preceded the healing of Christ. What does that mean? So some of you are like, you read that like it was supposed to be profound. What, who cares? What, hey, guys, guys, guys. How many of you are thankful that God could use people who believe for us to lead to our healing, to lead to our restoration? Come on, how many of you had a praying mama? You're thankful for a praying mama, a praying grandmother, parents who took you to church, parents who made a way. I'm thankful not only that the faith of friends can lead to my faith, but I'm thankful that we can be the friends that lead to others' faith. Who are you sacrificing for so that they could hear the message of Jesus Christ? I'm so thankful we're sending these teams out. And can you just hope, church, Tanzania, Botswana, South Africa, our faith here in Las Vegas, our financial sacrifice, our sacrifice of time to go to the nations, God could use that as an avenue to bring spiritual and physical healing to those who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that opportunity. Very quickly, what did Jesus see? Everyone together? Faith. Let's keep it moving. What did Jesus say? So after he saw the faith of the friends, what did he say? He said, son, your sins are forgiven. This is weird to me. This is weird because in our text, we don't see the paralytic or the friends saying, hey, can you forgive this guy's sins? It's implied. We just busted through the roof. We're lowering him down. He can't walk. What does he need, Hope Church? Healing, physical healing. But Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Why does he say, son, your sins are forgiven? Instead of saying, she should say, we would hope he would have said, your legs are healed. I like how Tony Evans puts it. He says it this way. Unforgiven sins are more detrimental than unhealed limbs. Spiritual sickness is worse than broken circumstances. How many of you are thankful for a God that diagnoses and desires to heal the real problem in our lives, the main problem in our lives, and not the problem at the surface that everyone can see or perceive? I say it this way. Jesus Christ came to address the need we can't assess, the need for forgiveness of sin. See, many of you, you're gathered here today, and you think That your financial problem is the problem that you really need Jesus' help with. But that's not your main problem. And some of you are like, no, it's my main problem. (laughs) Some of you think your wife is your main problem. And husband, just don't ever say that out loud. I'm just telling you now. But let me tell you, she's not your main problem. And wife, I'm coming after you too. Your husband is not your main problem. Your kids are not your main problem. What's going on in this country is not the main problem. The main problem is sin that separates us from a holy God. And Jesus came into this moment, and he was not distracted by the physical healing, but he saw what really needed to take place in the paralyzed man's life, and that is for sins to be forgiven. What did Jesus see? He saw faith. What did Jesus say? Everyone together, forgiven. He saw faith. He said, forgiven. Let's continue on. Let's keep it moving. If you're doing okay, say, I'm okay. Okay, here we go. What did the scribes think? What did those religious people, the holy guys, what did they think? Let's take a look. Now, some of the scribes, 
were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Ooh, questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. He's lying. He's a perpetrator. He's pretending to be someone he's not. Who can forgive sins but, you know when I use blue, it's important, God alone. See, they were articulating a very deep theologically held truth that we believe to this day that God alone can forgive sins. Hear that clearly, Hope Church. God alone can forgive you and I of our sins against the holy God. Not mommy and daddy, not going to church, not therapy. All of these things are great, but forgiven sins is only possible through God. So these guys were saying, how can this guy forgive sins? He's Jesus. He's from Nazareth. He must think he's God. What did Jesus see? He saw faith. What did Jesus say? He said forgiven. What did the scribes think? Fake. There's a fake amongst us. He's trying to say he forgives sins and he shouldn't be able to do that because only God can do that. Let's keep moving in the outline. What did the Jesus perceive? So here are the holy guys in this room, hole in the roof, sins are forgiven, you're a fake. What did Jesus perceive in their hearts? They question within themselves. Why do you question these things in your hearts? I don't have time to break this down too much, but it's, it's pretty obvious. What Jesus sees is unbelief. Jesus sees unbelief in the people who knew about God, wrote about God the most. Church family, do we have an unbelief that we are truly forgiven. And I got to catch you because some of you are like, no, no, no. I know I'm forgiven. I don't care if you know. Are you living like you're forgiven? Because if you're not living like you're forgiven, you're a functional atheist. You, you wouldn't say I'm an atheist because you believe in God, but you're functionally behaving like someone who doesn't believe in God. The scribes had unbelief just like you and I have unbelief. So then why does Jesus heal? Look at that. We're on the fifth question, aren't we? How many of you are thankful for a fast-moving message? Someone say amen. I'm about to slow it down, so just relax. Here we go. Why did Jesus heal? If, if the sin problem was the main problem and he forgave them of his sin... Why heal him? He had his most important problem solved. Now, just, just go on with your life. And I love the clarity of Jesus in this moment. And I believe the clarity of Jesus to the people in that house in that day is the same clarity he wants to give us in 2022. So if you're ready to hear why Jesus healed and what that means for us in our sin. Can I get a hearty, hearty, hearty? I'm ready? I'm ready. No, you're not. One more time. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. Look at what Jesus says. But that you may know that the Son of Man 
has on, on earth, has authority on earth to forgive sins, but that you may know so that you could be convinced, so that you would know I'm not a fake, I'm not blaspheming, so that you could know Hope Church, so that we could know that we can be forgiven and Jesus alone, the Son of Man, has authority on earth to forgive. That's why he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. He did a physical healing so that the spiritual forgiveness could be perceived as actual. Are you with me? Let me say it another way on the screen. The paralytic's ability to walk proved Christ's power to forgive because Jesus had the power to raise him up. People can then be convinced, proved, oh, he must also, this is not just a man who's pretending to be God because only God could heal a man like this. As I was reading this and as we think about our sin and studying for this, I just thought to myself, what if from this day forward, Jesus follower who reads the Bible has your God time, what if every time you read about Jesus healing someone in the New Testament, you were reminded of how real and how actual and how true Jesus' forgiveness of sins is for you? Every single time, it would be like a reminder, oh, a healing. And, and because the Son of Man healed so that you would know that he has authority to forgive, every time I read about a healing, I'm reminded of the authority, the realness is of Jesus' ability to heal me of my sin. What did, why did Jesus heal? Ultimately, he healed to convince, to prove. Now, before I continue to work through this, I want to summarize what we've said so far. And let's, let's participate together. We'll read the word in caps. What did Jesus see? Faith. What did Jesus say? Forgiven. What were the scribes thinking? Fake. What did Jesus perceive? Unbelief. Why did Jesus heal? To convince, to prove, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority. Get up and walk. Now. I just want to spend the remainder of our time convincing us, looking at the pattern of Jesus' life so that today all of us may cross the chasm from knowing we're forgiven to living like we're forgiven. Let's take a look at the pattern of Jesus' life. Who does Jesus forgive? He forgives the sexually immoral. There was an adulterous woman a woman caught in the act of sleeping with someone other than her husband. And these folks caught her in the act of having sex with someone other than her husband. And how did they catch her? I don't know. That's a curious question. What were you doing to know that this was going on? That's neither here nor there. What they end up doing is dragging this woman out to the streets and saying, Jesus, this woman is a sinner Sleeping with someone other than her husband. And how many of you are thankful for Jesus? So much swag, so much authority. What does he say? He says something to the effect of, hey, if you've never sinned, why don't you go ahead and stone that woman? Throw a rock at that woman if you've never sinned. Mic drop. To which everyone there says, oh, not me. I'm out of here. 
And then he picks the mic back up and says to the woman, they don't condemn you, neither do I. Don't sin anymore. Don't do that anymore. Hope Church family, come on, this is real. 2022, 830 service. In this room, there are people right now who have either had a past of sexually immoral sin or currently living in the midst of sexual immorality. Anything out of sex between a man and a woman within the covenant of marriage is sin. And as clear as I want to be about what sexual immorality is, I want to be equally clear on what Jesus says. He says, just like to the woman, you can be, through faith in me, forgiven. Some of you are walking around with the weight of your sexual sin. A porn habit. You're walking with the weight of having an inappropriate relationship with someone outside of the covenant of marriage. The sexual sin from your past haunts you. Your thought life is not one that's glorifying to God. And you find yourself condemning yourself day after day after day. If people only knew what I did, if people only knew what I thought, and I want to tell you, Jesus knows about everything you've did, about everything you've thought. And he says, here is my blood, faith in me, forgiveness of sin. Hope, church, you can be forgiven for sexual immorality. Fiscally criminal, Las Vegas, Nevada. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Some of y'all done some shady stuff with your money. (laughs) You've stolen, you've cheated, you've lied. Well, there was a guy like that. His name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. (laughs) He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, what did he say to Zacchaeus? You come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to... okay. All the people who grew up in Sunday school are like, oh, that's so funny. And the rest of you are like, you are one cheesy dude. What is going on? <laughs> oh, it looks like there's more of you who think I'm cheesy. Okay, get it. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, a sinner, a stealer. And Jesus says, get out of that tree. You're trying to see me. I'm going to your house. You are forgiven. Hope Church. For those of you who are here today, you've sinned against God with your finances. You haven't been a good steward. Maybe you haven't been fiscally criminal, but you've been fiscally irresponsible. You've gambled some money away. You've made some bad investments. You haven't stewarded well the financial resources that God has put in your life, and you find yourself shamed, condemned. Jesus says to you, you can be forgiven. The blatantly disrespectful, there at the cross, Jesus dying for the sins of the world. And right there, they mock Jesus. What do they say? Jesus, if you're really the king, take yourself off of that cross. They're gambling for his clothing right in front of him while he's crying out to God. What does he say? Father, forgive them. Hope Church, you and I, guests who are here today, watching online, maybe you've had a season in your life where you've blatantly disregarded the holiness of God, the lordship of God, 
You've turned your back on God, and God wants to say to you, if I could forgive those who were mocking me at my crucifixion, I could definitely forgive you post-resurrection. You could be forgiven finally, the spiritually unfaithful Peter. There he is. Jesus is being accused. They're going around trying to find the people who are rolling with Jesus. They see Peter. He denies Jesus three times. And the last time was a little teenage girl. A little teenage girl says, hey, didn't I see you with Jesus? He's like, come on, come on. I don't know Jesus. Who's Jesus? And after the resurrection of Jesus, he spent some time with Peter and forgave him. Forgave him for being spiritually unfaithful. And come on, all of us at times in our lives, we said, God, I'll be there for you. God, I commit to you. God, I'm going to give. God, I'm going to serve. God, I'm not going to do that anymore. And in any way, shape, or form, we've all denied Jesus at some point in our life. But how many of you are thankful that we can be forgiven for the times which we've denied Jesus? Jealousy, envy, gluttony, lying, pride, gossip, the sin of omission, not doing the things we know we should do. Those of you right now who are like, man, none of that applies to me. Self-righteousness, praise God, he forgives you for that too. And finally, over this topic of this weekend, and, and I get it. As Pastor Scott was up here and he's saying, this is something we celebrate. And for those of you who in the room who've had an abortion or have had your hand in one, there's God's grace for you. And some of you are like, why do we need God's grace for that? I, all, and you have all your arguments. I just got to tell you, having pastored over the years and sat with women and men who've had their hands in abortion, there is guilt, there is shame for those who've walked with Jesus, for those who aren't walking with Jesus, for those who had an abortion while they knew of the name of Jesus. People live with the shame and guilt around that. And Jesus offers, just like he offers for all of these other sins, forgiveness, grace, mercy. And so now, how should we respond? What should we do in response to knowing that because Jesus in that day, he healed that paralyzed man, that means we could be sure that he forgives sins, all the different types. How should we respond? Let's take a look how the people then responded. He rose. That word in the Greek means Jesus rose the man up. He didn't get up on his own. That's huge. See, we can't get up on our own. We need Jesus to rise us up and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed. And what did they do? They glorified God. They praised him. They worshiped him, saying, we never saw anything like this. What is the proper response, Hope Church, to a message like this? It's worship. It's to give glory to God knowing that we don't have to live with the shame and the guilt of the sins we've committed in the past, 
the sins we're committing now or the sins we'll commit in the future. I do need to say this. Forgiveness of sins from God and horizontal consequences on this earth for your sin are two completely different things. We are forgiven, but there may be consequences for our sin. But to know that we're forgiven, if we could trust God to forgive us of our sins, we could also trust him to heal us of the consequences of those sins. And so we worship. Here's another clue to know whether or not you just know you're forgiven or you're living like you're forgiven. If your worship is weak, you're not living like you're forgiven. You may wonder why when these songs play, you see certain people just raising their hands to God. You may wonder, Ed, when you're up there, like you're sweating, you're Jesus, and you're emotional, like get it together, kid. Why are you so expressive and I'm so expressive? Because I know how not together I have it. I know the distance between who I should be in Christ and who I actually am. I know that I'm up here preaching to you in one moment, in another moment I'm living with unbelief. But as much as I know about how sinful I am, I also know how forgiving Jesus is. And because I know how forgiving Jesus is, I can't help but worship him and say, Jesus paid it all. When I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, And so in a few moments, come on, if you want to make the jump from knowing you're forgiven to living like you're forgiven, one of the clues is a heart that can't help but worship. But for you to have a fresh worship in your heart, you have to have a fresh forgiveness on your knees. How can we receive this forgiveness? It's to confess. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And it's not just one initial confession. Yes, when you initially confess, you are forgiven. The Holy Spirit lives in you. But let me just talk to the believers who've been doing this for a while. You and I need fresh forgiveness. Not to ultimately make us right with God, because we're right with God in Jesus, but to maintain an intimacy with God. We need fresh forgiveness. And so I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to prepare us to respond. The most important part of the service is coming up now. We're going to respond. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I know a message like this. It can land on our hearts in a dozen different ways. But right now I ask, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would forgiveness rain down in this place for people who've been walking with you for over 40 years to a first-time guest who's wondering what the heck did I get myself into? Heavenly Father God, I pray during this time of response, you would minister to us all. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So here's what's gonna happen now. 
just a few moments, we're going to sing. We're going to sing, God is so good. And some of you, in light of this message, you're going to have a fresh worship in your heart. And so I want to invite you as this song plays, just get up, raise your hands, and worship God for his goodness. But there are others of you, you're Jesus followers, you've already said yes to Jesus, you've been baptized, but you're spiritually paralyzed. You're paralyzed in your sin because you haven't experienced a fresh forgiveness of God. And if there's something in your life that's lingering, something unconfessed, right there in your seat, you could deal with the Lord, get healing, forgiveness for your sin. Jesus alone, the Son of Man, has the authority to forgive sin. But there's some of you, and, and the, the Holy Spirit will convict you. As pastors come forward, it's going to be our folks in the yellow shirts who will be available. Some of you, you need to come up to someone. James says, when you confess your sin one to another, you can live whole and healed. Some of you need to come up. You can come right onto this altar, kneel, confess sin. Some of you need to come up to one of us pastors, leaders, and confess. And here's what we're going to do. We're just going to say, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And let me tell you, some of you won't be able to give God an authentic worship until you get some fresh forgiveness in your life. And so as the song begins to play, I'd love to see people all over, if you can, come down to this altar. Not that you can't do it in your seat, but it's something about humbly saying, I need fresh forgiveness. And finally, some of you, your guests, maybe you've been coming to Hope for a while, your parents make you come, or your friend, you just come with your friend. You've been liking what's going on, man, music's great, teachings, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. But today, today, some dots are connecting. You know what it's like to be self-righteous and to think you're better than others. You know what it's like to be self-condemning. You know what it's like to not have confidence walking into a church building or to have confidence praying because you know there's something that separates you from God. And I want to tell you, if you've never received the forgiveness of God, if you've never trusted in Jesus to be the substitute for your life, to receive his perfect life on your behalf, to receive his death on the cross as a substitute for you if you've never received that forgiveness and you want to today for the very first time. Please let one of us know. Either come forward, go to the guest services area, let one of us know and we want to walk you through what it means to receive this forgiveness for your sins. So Hope Church, are we ready to respond? Okay, yeah. Some of us, we're going to stand and sing God is so good. Others of us, we know we need to hit this altar, receive fresh forgiveness so we can give fresh worship. Others of you, you need to say, Jesus, I want you in my life for the very first time. Let's stand, Hope Church, together and respond how the Holy Spirit leads us now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.